Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Actus Podcast, a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. I'm Carla Cordo, an editor and product coordinator for Actus, and I'll be your host for today's show, which is part of our Conversations with Carla series. In every episode of this series, I'll be joined by a guest who's behind one of our most popular and exciting Actus educational offerings to share their expertise. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Lori Prescott, RN, MSN, CCDS, CCDSO, CDIP, CRC, the Interim Director for Actus based in Middleton, Massachusetts. Lori is responsible for overseeing Actus's thought leadership, strategic direction, and providing an authoritative voice in the industry. Additionally, she's the lead developer instructor for the CDI bootcamps and a member of the CCDSO Certification Committee and the Actus Advisory Board. She's a frequent speaker on the Actus podcast, Actus conferences, and webinars, and is the author of the Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialist Training Guide and the Actus Pocket Guide. Welcome, Lori. Today's topic is what's Toad got to do with it? Exploring the importance of Toad conditions. Before we jump into our topic, a brief word about today's sponsor. The 2023 Actus Outpatient Pocket Guide is the essential resource for outpatient coding guidance, HCC updates, compliant query best practices, E&M requirements, and diagnostic definitions. Co-written by Actus's Interim Director and CDI Education Director, Lori Prescott, Dr. James Manns, a practicing physician at the Mayo Clinic who is steeped in the latest physician documentation terminology, and Autumn Ryder, Vice President of CDI Services and Tech Enablement for Coral Health. The 2023 Actus Outpatient Pocket Guide offers the latest information outpatient CDI professionals need to know, including fiscal year 2023 guidelines, 2022 coding clinic guidance, and 80 plus conditions, including new entries for thalassemia and cachexia. The 2023 Actus Outpatient Pocket Guide also introduces two new icons this year designed to assist you in easily identifying conditions with specific considerations. A TOAD icon indicates that a TOAD status code may need to be reported with this HEC. TOAD is a quick mnemonic that can be used to remind providers to capture Z codes related to conditions such as transplants, ostomies, amputation slash AIDS, and dialysis status. A caution icon indicates that this HCC infrequently occurs in the outpatient setting. Therefore, if it is listed as a diagnosis, it may have been inadvertently carried over from a recent or past hospitalization and used on a post-admission visit. You can learn more about the 2023 Actus Outpatient Pocket Guide using the link in today's show notes. Thanks again for joining me today, Lori. I'm really excited to sit down with you and discuss toad conditions. So let's get right it. <laughs> you know, it sounds like a crazy thing to be excited about, right? But this is actually one of the more interesting aspects for me. So can you tell me, can you tell the audience a little bit about what a toad condition is and why it's important? Well, toad is a mnemonic that my good friend, Dr. Manns coined when he was teaching pro- providers. And he identifies specific diagnoses that providers often fail to identify or to report or even that coders will fail to report. So these these codes are primarily status codes, which both the both physicians who are self-coding, choosing their own codes in the outpatient setting, and coders just often fail to add to the record. Either they don't know that there are codes that should be added, or they just don't think they're important. 
so you know when you're walking through the forest or the woods, it's really easy to walk right past a toad and not even notice it's there. So um, we wanted to in some way point out those toads to people so that we could make sure that you were capturing them as appropriate. I love that uh, reference that you just used. It's a very good one. It's not one I thought of before, how easily it is to walk by a toad and not notice them. I know. We walk, we walk by toads all the time. And you, there's more toads out there than you know. I grew up in New Hampshire, so you don't have to tell me, Lori. <laughs> so how can CDI specialists assist in capturing these toad conditions? Well, um, generally, providers should be taught the significance of them. So when, when I talk about um, toads, they're status codes or Z codes that um, capture information related to, and I'm going to spell out toads so you get it, T for transplants, O for ostomies, A for amputations or AIDS, and D for dialysis. So there are status codes like the Z21 code for asymptomatic HIV status or the Z94 code related to bone marrow transplant or um, Z99.2 dependence on renal dialysis or Z89 affecting amputation status. So they're, they're not those hot kind of diagnoses codes that we chase after. Um, you know, the, the CKD and the, um, you know, the diabetes with complications and all those codes that we think of chasing after, they're the little ones that kind of lie along the wayside, those status codes that um, complete the story, but actually can contribute significantly to risk adjustment and to a number of risk adjustment methodologies, not just the CMS HCC risk adjustment methodology. So I think the first thing that we want to um, work on when we're capturing, when we you think about what can I do to capture uh, toad conditions, is you got to teach your physicians to recognize the toads and teach them to understand that codes related to this are very important as well. So that that's, that's one piece that I think is really important. The other is to bring the toads to the forefront. So making sure that a patient that has a colostomy, for example, or a left below the knee amputation, that that is actually documented in the problem list with the associated code next to it so that the physician starts to see it and says, oh yeah, that's something I need to make sure is recognized and reported, especially if you've got physicians choosing their own codes. So for a CDI specialist, I think the way we assist is bringing attention to those toads number one, and making sure that the physicians are recognizing them. And number two is when you're looking at records, if you see any mention of a condition that would, any clue that, you know, the patient is missing their leg or, you know, on, on, um, dependent on renal dialysis or any of those codes, you, you make sure that they are mentioned so that the code can be assigned. So I'm going to continue with my sick little analogy. You might have to set a trap for a code and drop a query so that the physician remembers to document the fact that the patient had a stem cell transplant two years ago. So making sure that if the physician's missing it, we're looking to capture it and making sure that the physicians understand how important it is. 
you're always two steps ahead of me, Lori. You took the question right out of my mouth, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and ask it anyways because I think multiple multiple examples are always helpful. So let's say that I'm a CDI specialist reviewing a record, and I think I'm looking at an encounter when a toad code might be appropriate. How can I query for this in a compliant way? Is there like an example you can think of that would help shed some light on this? Sure. I mean, it's going to be basically the same way. What makes a query compliant is the fact that you have clinical indicators to support it. So especially in the outpatient setting, we're, we're not doing concurrent reviews. So it's a lot easier in the inpatient setting to query for a toad because you can say, you know, the, the physical therapist says the patient has a left below the knee amputation. Do you agree, doctor? Right? In the outpatient setting, what likely is happening is you're seeing that condition either listed in the problem list or perhaps you're looking at previous encounters and you see that the patient has a toad condition, you can use that same uh, process of if, if you are querying, which um, oftentimes in the outpatient setting, we can't query because of the time constraints. But if you, if you are querying just to, you know, say, uh, a, a, you know, primary care visit on, on such and such a date, the physician refers to the fact that the patient had a stem cell um, transplant on this date. Um, could you please make comment about its significance, right? So you, you're just kind of reminding the physician, hey, there's a toad on the path. Why don't you pick it up? You know, um, and it's it, it, what I think that CDIs can do more so in the outpatient side is exactly what I was talking about with the education, bringing it to the forefront, making sure that those toads are sitting there where the physician can see them. Um, and when I mean, what I mean by that is that it's on the problem list, that it's something that, you know, hopefully your physicians are looking at the problem list when they're seeing the patient and the, the bell should start to ring. Oh, look, I, you know, this patient has a toad. I better make sure the toad um, is acknowledged um, so that it can be reported correctly. Now, say there is a toad and it's not on the problem list. What can the CDI specialist do? Is that another query opportunity? Can the CDI specialist add to the problem list? How does that work? It's going to depend upon your organizational policy. Um, the, the problem list in most organizations, and I think rightfully so, is owned by the physicians. So the physicians would understand what is considered active in the patient's history and what is not. So a lot of organizations do query to get things added or get things removed from the problem list as appropriate. So if you notice that it, the toad isn't on the problem list and you would like it there, you could, you know, query again compliantly by pointing out where you found the toad and asking the physician to please add to the problem list if it's appropriate, you know, and if the physician, you know, if the patient magically grew back their left leg, okay, then we don't put it on the problem list, but the physician would start to see that. So I, I think, I think that's, um, you know, the best way to get it in front of them. And, you know, the, the other thing with physician education is make it fun. And I think this is precisely why Dr. Mann's created toads um, is, you know, everybody, a toad's kind of ugly and cute at the same time, right? So um, maybe if you have a physician that's really good at capturing toads, they get a 
toad pin for their name tag or you know decorate their office with toads you know make it, <laughs> make it fun you know send them a ribbit thank you I don't know you know I don't know I don't know if toads ribbit or croak I guess they croak but you know the idea is to make it fun and I think that's why he started using that mnemonic with his physicians because it's an easy one to remember but it kind of makes you smile too it does. I will say, uh, when when I graduated with my creative writing degree, I did not think I would spend so much of my time having serious <laughs> discussions about toads. But this year absolutely has surprised me. I've learned <laughs> the difference between a toad and a frog. What sound a toad makes? So I know, and and I got another one for All you. All right. Um, and I don't know if this is scientifically true, so nobody fact check me. But toads don't eat meat. Okay, so meat is required to report a diagnosis, monitor, evaluate, assess, and treat. But because toads are status codes, they don't require the meat. So you can mention the fact that the patient had um, a bone marrow transplant and it can be reported, but the physician doesn't necessarily have to make any comment about the significance or how it was treated or anything like that. So there's the other thing. Toads don't eat wow. meat. Wow. Lori, I feel like my job is done here and we can just call it a day. <laughs> that one is good. And I, I don't own this. This is honestly Dr. Manns. He, he's the one that brought this one to, to light. And I've always giggled. So we did something happily this year to make him smile with the pocket guide. And that's that we added little toad icons in when we're mentioning a diagnosis that fits that criteria. So those of you, when you get your outpatient pocket guides, what you'll see is a, a little toad next to uh, these codes, which reminds you, it points out the toad on the path in the forest, and it reminds you to make sure that you capture those diagnoses. So we're going to have wildlife pictures in the outpatient pocket guide now. Yeah, we had we had a lot of fun with the outpatient pocket guide this year. I know Dr. Manns would agree, um, really getting those visual cues in for people because sometimes you don't have time to flip through the four or five pages of the HCC and look, well, is it a toad condition or not? So putting that toad icon right on the title is just a really easy visual cue for the CDI specialist to see, hey, there might be a toad condition within this HCC. Let me look at the medical record. Let me look at the problem list. Do I need to query the provider? And hopefully that will help make everybody's jobs a little bit easier. That's what we're hoping for. So we also did something else along those lines this year. We added a different icon to the pocket guide that I, the outpatient pocket guide that identifies conditions that we wouldn't normally see in the outpatient setting. And if you do see them, it's often because the provider didn't mark the condition as resolved and it carried over to the problem list from a previous hospitalization or something to that extent. Can you talk a little bit about why it's important to recognize these conditions and what a CDI specialist can do if they think something like this has happened? Sure. Well, as you go through the pocket guide, um, you'll notice that on certain conditions, I start the entry with this should be rarely seen in the outpatient setting. Um, and we're talking about diagnoses that do impact risk adjustment, but are so uh, 
severe, especially in their acute phase, that a patient requires inpatient admission. Things like sepsis or acute respiratory failure, encephalopathy, those kind of diagnoses. And there are times, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say that you would never see those diagnoses documented in the outpatient setting because, you know, a patient may arrive at the office septic and have to be transported to the hospital. I've, I've been involved in those kind of care things before, but generally we shouldn't see those types of diagnosis reported during a physician office visit. Um, so what oftentimes happens is let's say the patient was admitted for sepsis, they're discharged and they have follow-up scheduled with their primary care physician like five days later or six days later. And the physician will start their documentation with follow-up for sepsis, you know, in their documentation. Well, the patient isn't septic at that point. If they were, they would still be in the hospital. At the point that they're seeing the physician for follow-up, the physician's following up to make sure that the localized infection has been taken care of, that the patient doesn't have any complications related to the sepsis. It's, it's a follow-up visit. They're looking to see how the patient's doing and does anything else need to be done. But unfortunately, sometimes in those cases, if physicians are choosing their own codes because the patient was septic and they're writing patient seen follow up for sepsis or something to that extent, they choose a code for sepsis. Um, but that's inappropriate for the situation. Um, so there's that piece where the physician may actually be pulling a code that's inappropriate. The other piece is that sometimes those active diagnoses feed over to the problem list and somebody forgets to mark them as resolved. And then when they see it in the problem list, they bring it into their documentation and they assign codes to it. So it's it this the little icon that we've put next to these diagnoses that primarily you would see in the inpatient setting is basically an alert to say, wait a minute, we're reporting acute respiratory failure for this patient who's being seen at the doctor's office that doesn't really jive. Let's look more closely at the chart. This doesn't seem right. So it's telling you to stop the bus and, you know, check things out and make sure that what you've got reported is actually accurate for the situation because we don't want to report these and then later have them be denied or right. be picked up in an audit that could have very negative implications for both you and the payer, et cetera, with risk adjustments. So we want to make sure that what we're putting on the claim is actually true to what's happening. And this is just a reminder that maybe something's not right here. You've got to look at it a little more closely. Absolutely. Thank you for those in-depth explanations and with examples. I know for me personally, hearing an example always helps me understand what someone's talking about a little bit better. This has been such a helpful conversation. I appreciate your in-depth discussion of toad conditions as well as those other conditions that might be carried over to the problem list. Now, this is the first podcast episode of the new year, so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I would be remiss if I didn't ask, what is your new year's resolution, Lori, before I let you go? Oh, wow. Huh. It's not a, you know, I, let me think about that one. I'll go first if that helps. Yeah, you go first and then uh, and then I'll follow. My New Year's resolution is twofold. I would say first and foremost, I am going to 
work on setting aside some more time for myself. I think that's something that we all struggle with, the work-life balance. And should I answer this email at 8 p.m. at night? Um, and that, that sort of thing. But uh, my, my second resolution makes me feel a little bit like the, um, the class kiss up, but I want to learn more about outpatient CDI. I feel like over the past two years on the ACTUS team, I've learned so much about inpatient CDI. And whenever we go to talk about outpatient CDI, I feel like I only have a surface level understanding. So I am very much looking forward to this year to committing myself to outpatient CDI, working on some more outpatient CDI books, listening into some of our outpatient CDI education, and just really working harder to challenge myself and to understand more about that growing area of CDI. I feel like it's just exploding and it's only going to grow bigger and I want to be able to understand that and be a part of it. That's pretty awesome. You just made me (laughs) smile, Carla. You, You know what? At the conference, right before the main conference in Chicago this May, we're going to have a two-day outpatient symposium. That's right. We have to make sure that you're sitting there and listening to those presentations. I'll have to pop into some of those sessions. Mm-hmm. I Okay, so my um, New Year's resolution, and this is one that I've actually talked to the instructors about because okay. I, do, I do things, I, I've been starting lately to try to sign off at a decent hour from work. Good so for you, Lori. I um, will often message them and say, you know, guys, I'm stopping work and so should you. Um, I think this is going to sound pretty hokey, but I think we all enjoy our job and um working from home, you oftentimes extend your work day. Definitely. So I, I keep lecturing to them. We got to do some self-care. We got to pace ourselves and, you know, Hey, the work will be here tomorrow. Nobody dies. Right. So let it drop. Um, So that's one piece. And that just kind of folds into, and I think it's related to the fact that we have a new grandbaby (laughs) is just to slow down life and enjoy it. Um, and that's that's been always hard for me. Um, I have worked um, ever since I was probably 14, 15 years old. I've had a job. And um, when I work, I throw 200% into it mm-hmm. usually. Um, I can confirm that. Yeah. And it's, it's often because I'm so busy, other things get rushed that really shouldn't. They're really important. And, you know, I, I like it when I can take a day and just sit and hold my grandbaby and appreciate how good he smells and mm-hmm. get him smile. So that, that's one thing that, and I've discussed this one with my husband, that this year we need to low the, lower the stress, lower the pace, and just enjoy each day for what it brings um, and appreciate it. So thank you for helping me put that into words, mm-hmm. Carla, forcing me to. That. I love that, Lori. Thanks for being a good sport about me putting you on the spot. And I can confirm for all of our listeners that you do have the most cutest grandbaby. So it's not hard to get lost in him when he's in your arms, I'm sure. He's pretty precious. He is. So that is all we have time for today. Um, Again, thanks, Lori, for your time. If anybody has any questions about toad conditions, outpatient CDI, Anything we've discussed today, you can feel free to email the Actus team at actus-inquiries at simplifycompliance.com. 
We'll also put that email in today's show notes, which are available on the show page at actus.org and in your podcast app, so you can grab it from there. Thanks again, Lori. Oh, you're welcome. Everybody keep your eyes out for toads. Exactly. Now it's time for the Actus Update, a regular segment featuring the latest news and what's going on inside the association. January is a very busy time for Actus, so I have a lot to share with you. Our first edition of the CDI Journal for 2023 has officially published. For the January-February edition, which came out earlier this week, we wanted to take some time to guide you through the process of reevaluating and revisiting the basics you likely learned at the beginning of your CDI career. This edition will be review for some of you, but it may also illuminate ways in which you can polish the basics of your program in 2023. The edition includes articles focused on competencies for CDI professionals, breaking into the profession for the first time, keeping the most important information top of mind during complex reviews, setting productivity standards, developing templates, reviewing for quality measures, honing your emotional intelligence, communicating with providers, and more. As always, the CDI Journal is available to all Actus members under the Publications tab of the Actus website, and readers can claim one Actus CCDS or CCDSO CEU by taking the associated quiz. We'll put the link to the new edition in today's show notes. Additionally, don't forget to mark your calendars and join us on January 10th at 1 p.m. Eastern for our first ever Actus Pocket Guide launch party. This virtual celebration will feature CDI trivia, raffles and prizes, and a live Q&A with author and Actus Interim Director Lori Prescott. Take advantage of this opportunity to get your questions about the Actus Pocket Guide answered directly by Lori. Plus, meet other members of the Actus team, including me, and members of the Actus community as we welcome special guests throughout the party. Whether you've purchased the 2023 Actus Pocket Guide, past iterations, or are simply looking to learn more, this party is the perfect place to connect and celebrate with the CDI community. I think it's going to be a fantastic kickoff to the new year, and I invite you all to join us in celebrating both the efforts that led to this edition and the efforts and achievements of CDI professionals across the country as they work tirelessly to further the profession. And remember, there's no party like an Actus party, so you don't want to miss this one. Now, turning to the Actus Conference, we're currently accepting poster applications. This is your opportunity to show the CDI community how your organization, team, or you personally have flourished in the profession. Poster creators offer insight and answer questions from passers-by during a designated break at the conference, allowing us all an opportunity to see what's happening in CDI beyond our own backyards. What's more, one creator for each selected poster receives $200 off their conference admission, and all creators who attend can earn four CEUs. To submit your poster idea for consideration, click to fill out the application in today's show notes. All applications must be submitted by January 30th, 2023. Applicants will be notified in February. Now, it's also your chance to recognize the efforts and dedication of your colleagues by nominating them for an Actus Achievement Award. Actus will be presenting its five legacy awards this year, which include CDI Professional of the Year, Recognition of CDI Professional Achievement, Excellence in Provider Engagement, Rookie of the Year, Diversity in CDI. It is also our honor to offer the Melissa Varnavis Spirit of Service Award for the very first time. This inaugural award recognizes an individual who has committed themselves to service by volunteering their time and skills to assist their peers and advance the CDI profession. It also honors the legacy of one of Actus's own, Melissa Varnavis. 
To read the full descriptions of all six awards and to nominate a peer for an award, use the link in today's show notes. All nominations must be submitted by January 30th, 2023. Finally, ACTUS calls for volunteers for our boards and committees twice a year, and the January application period is officially opening tomorrow, January 5th. During this application period, we're looking for volunteers for the Forms and Tools Committee, which reviews materials donated to the ACTUS community for publication in the ACTUS Resource Library. The Certification Committee, which maintains and updates the CCVS and CCDSO certification programs, including the exams and their prerequisites. The Chapter Advisory Board, which serves as a liaison between local chapter leaders and ACTUS National by participating in leadership calls, promoting best practice, and providing guidance to leaders nationwide. And finally, the ACTUS Advisory Board, which provides leadership, expertise, and an industry voice for the ACTUS membership. Please do note that volunteers for members of the ACTUS Advisory Board are ultimately peer-selected, meaning that ACTUS members will vote on the applicants for the board after the committee application period has closed. We'll share all the details when the time comes, but for now, we encourage all those who are interested to throw their hat in the ring. The link to learn more about these committees is in today's show notes, and the official application link will be posted in tomorrow's edition of CDI Strategies. As a reminder before we close out, each ACTUS podcast episode now offers 0.5 ACTUS CEUs, which can be used towards recertifying your CCDS or CCDSO credential for those who listen to the show in the first 48 hours from the time of publication. To receive your 0.5 CEU, go to the show page on actus.org located under the resources tab and follow the instructions in the show notes for today's episode. Your certificate will automatically be emailed to you upon submitting the brief evaluation. The cutoff for today's episode, CEU, is Friday, January 6th at 11 p.m. Eastern. After that point, the CEU period will close and you will not be eligible for the 0.5 CEUs for this week's episode. If you listen to all episodes and claim all the CEUs for the podcast episodes this year, you'll have earned 12 free CEUs for the year. With that, we've reached the end of today's Actus podcast episode. We'll be back in two weeks on Wednesday, January 18th for our next show. If you would like to receive reminders about each episode, make sure you're subscribed to our free weekly newsletter, CDI Strategies, which always includes a link to the new episode when it's available. You can listen to the show anytime on the Actus website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. All the links we discussed during today's episode will be available in the show notes. And as always, we'd really appreciate it if you'd take a minute to leave us a five-star review on your podcast app to help others find our show. Our intro and outro music is Media Noche by D. Yan Key, and our ad music is Take Me Higher by Jazar, both obtained from the Free Music Archive. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, please email us at actus-inquiries at simplifycompliance.com. Until next time, take care, everyone. <laughs>